Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, everybody. This week on Performance Anxiety, we have Nick Vivid. I'm your host, Mark. And before we get into the podcast, let me tell you a little bit about Nick. He's a character, and he proceeded to crack me up as soon as he got on. He grew up with two turntables and a microphone in his living room because his dad was a radio disc jockey. But as Nick will tell us, that doesn't always make for the best situation for an up-and-coming musician. He started off writing songs based on hymns from church when he was a little kid. But soon enough, he started playing in rock bands. After some bands, opening a studio, which was ruined in a flood, and an injury that had him bedridden for three months, Nick decided to start all over. Music may be a different style, but Nick is still the energetic frontman. In fact, he's the only man. He has a new album out called No More Secrets. He talks about losing his dad while making the album and using the process as a way to heal. And one of the most popular songs on the album was created in a bout of frustration while developing that song. To pick up No More Secrets on Bandcamp, follow Nick on all the social media platforms. I think there's only one Nick Vivid. And check out his Twitch channel. And follow us at Performance ANX on social media. Check out the show on Pantheon Podcast Network. And you can help support us at ko-fi.com slash performanceanxiety or through performanceanx.threadless.com by buying some merch. And let's go there with Nick Vivid on Performance Anxiety, part of the Pantheon Podcast Network. This is Nick Vivid and uh, one, three, two, there we go. Three, two, one. This is Nick Vivid. Check out my new album. <laughs> I just forgot the name of my album. <laughs> no More Secrets. All right, here we go. Hi, this is Nick Vivid. Check out my new album, No More Secrets, uh, nickvivid.com. You are listening to the Performance Anxiety Podcast. Let me do one more. I, I'd like to do one. Let me let me get that right. Hey, this is Nick Vivid. Check out my new album, No More Secrets. You are listening to the Performance Anxiety Podcast. Oh, I made. am I sideways to you? Yeah, but I can deal with it. <laughs> okay, I think I may have to deal unless, with it. Too. Unless this goes on YouTube or something. No, no, it's just audio only. This is ridiculous. There we go. Awesome, man. Well, thank you for, for joining me tonight. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, me too. I have been listening to the new album, and man, it's... I'm just... I don't even know how to describe it to some I'm, I'm glad i end up using clips in the show because i don't really even know how to describe it it's, it's just it's really cool it's like neither does my publicist that's a couple well it's it's awesome i mean it's like diy meets like synthwave done by the bgs yeah so, yeah, that, with a little soul and funk added in and maybe yeah. some 70s rock and yeah, yeah. It's, it's a whole bunch of stuff. There's too much to put into one blurb about it. it. It's really impressive how many different areas you touch on. Thank you. They're all things I like, you know? I, it's, um, it, it's like I listen to music. If there's something about it that I like, it, it goes in the mental file cabinet. Yeah. And then somehow it, it 
you know, comes back out as this other thing that's mixed in with all these other things that ended up on other, you know, decks of the file cabinet, and <laughs> other folders. And then it's you like just, somebody took out the file cabinet, yeah. the folders everywhere and all the papers went everywhere. <laughs> and you just kind of shuffle them all, all together. together. Oh, like mom's home, you know, or something, you know, <laughs> throw them all back in. And hey, whatever comes out the next time. Yeah, yeah, that's what happens. That's, that how, that's how my songs get written, apparently. So. <laughs> I love it. It's such a great method. But I want to find out a little bit about how you got to this point before we start talking about the album that's out. So you're from Buffalo, right? Originally, yeah. Okay. I mean, I spent uh, three or four years up in Rochester, so I know how okay. cold it gets up there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good God, I don't miss that place. <laughs> I don't either. I don't <laughs> you have kind of music in your DNA. I mean, your dad was a disc jockey up there mm -hmm. and your mom was a big music fan. I'm assuming there was just a lot of music in the house. Yeah, there was. And, and out of the, one of the few things that was encouraged in the house was music, you know, cause ah. there was, it was a very music friendly house for sure. Um, yeah, there was just always music playing. Uh, you know, we had, I, you know, we had two turntables and a microphone in the living room, literally like a DJ set up with a, with a mixer Oh, and everything wow. and that was like part of the normal living room setup and so when i was a little kid and i was like five or six years old and i'd be sitting there spinning records you know going from record a to record b and back oh. i didn't do scratching or anything like that right. you know i didn't know any really methods you know but i i was queue up a song you know and stuff like that so i was always kind of like really into the the process of music and the the mechanics behind music and yeah and the production aspect of, of at least producing on air at that point and, and, and kind of being, being hands-on with it, you know, in, and, and being part of it as opposed to just passively listening. That so is, that was always, that was always kind of a thing growing up. That is awesome. I don't know anybody else who grew up with an A and B set of turntables. I mean, that's, that, well, I guess that's the benefit of having a DJ for your dad. Yeah, yeah, he was he was always into that. So that that kind of even after he retired from the DJ business, he uh, he kept that with him. So, what were your influences growing up? What were you, besides what your dad was playing on the radio and what your mom loved? What were you, what were you into? Well, I was into hard rock. Uh, Kiss was my favorite band when I was a little kid because uh, I just saw the makeup and the costumes, and I said, "Oh my God, what is that?" <laughs> yeah. um, so I, I just got really into like theatrics and presentation and stage show, and and I liked anything that had like good, you know, just made me feel good about myself. You know, when I was a kid, I was picked on a lot, and I was kind of nerdy and kind of yeah. introverted, and. Uh, I, I gravitated towards music that was weird and different and seemed confident in that weirdness. It seemed confident in being strange. It, it told me there was nothing wrong with me, you okay, know, yeah. like music that told me that I was okay, you know, and, and those are the kind of the, the bands that made me feel like that were the bands I was gravitating to. So a lot of hard rock just made you feel very like, you know, masculine and very like, you know, kind of, we're going to do this. And yeah. then everything else I listened to was just kind of, you know, uh, emphasizing feeling okay about myself and feeling good. So I, I tended to gravitate towards anything that was like that. Plus, you know, I, I was raised on MTV. Yeah. Um, back when they, you know, were primarily doing music, you know, yeah. and it was, and they were, and I mean, they were at one point, they were a major cultural, uh, force you know oh, yeah. like they drove the culture and so i was i was you know paying a lot of attention to mtv in the early 90s when the whole seattle thing was huge that was a big influence on me and the and, and the stuff from the 80s was a big influence on me and yeah listening to rock records from the 70s was a big influence on me seeing bands on stages uh with lights Oh, you know, big stages with big lights hanging over ahead yeah. of them. And they just looked, you know, godly, you know, standing oh, on that God, stage yeah. with their, the hair, you know, like at the outer edges of their hair would be glistening with like purples and reds, you know, and they'd be silhouetted and stuff. And I was oh, like, yeah. I, I, and the great thing about it is like, I've done all that stuff now. Like I've been in all the situations. I, I'd like know how that's all done now, but at the time it was so magical. And now I'm like, I've done all that in a weird way. Like I, I, I think one of the things that is so much fun about what I'm doing is that I'm getting to be the type of artist I never thought I could be. 
Oh, you know, really? I, I'm getting, yeah. Like I didn't think I had this in me. I thought I was going to be a weirdo introverted weird kid for the rest of my life. And then I like, like can put a flowery shirt on and jump around on stage and raise my hand in the air and people go, yeah, okay, we'll, we'll buy that. I'm like, really? <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know? So we'll be right back after a word from our sponsors. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. Without a healthy mind, being truly happy and at peace is hard. The good news is therapy works. But what is therapy exactly? It's whatever you want it to be. Maybe you're not feeling motivated right now and would like some tools to help. Or maybe you're feeling insecure in relationships or at work, not dealing well with the stress. Whatever you need, it's time to stop being ashamed of normal human struggles and start feeling better because you deserve to be happy. And now you don't have to worry about finding an in-person therapist near you to help. BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist, so you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy, and you can start communicating with your therapist in under 48 hours. Try doing that in person. So join the millions of people who are seeing what online therapy is really about, it's always a good time to invest in yourself because you are your greatest asset. And a special offer to Performance Anxiety listeners, you can get 10% off your first month of professional therapy at betterhelp.com slash performance anxiety. That's betterhelp.com slash performance anxiety. Thanks again to BetterHelp for sponsoring this podcast. So uh, once I realized I could, uh, an audience would like actually pay attention to this and, and, and see it as legitimate, you know, that's kind of how I, I got to this point to some degree. So when did you start playing instruments? Uh, at, how old were you when playing music became more of a, a drive than, than just listening? I, I, well, I started writing like from the moment I, I knew how songs you know, existed. I didn't know. Oh, wow. I mean, I was writing songs. My mom would make me go to church every Sunday and I would be so bored that I'd be sitting there with nothing, you know, nothing to do. <laughs> Literally <laughs> have a whole church service to pay attention to, right. but I'm, in my mind, I have nothing to do. I'm bored out of my mind. So I'm going through the church hymnals and I'm reading the lyrics to all these church songs. I don't know what they sound like. I can't read music, but yeah. I can read the lyrics and I can see that there's phrasing. And I can see that they're, they're sectioned off into choruses and verses. And I understand that much. And so in my mind, I'm making up new songs oh, to wow. these songs. And I'm singing them to myself. And then I'm constructing records. I'm like, okay, well, this song's three minutes and 30 seconds. And I'm th thinking in terms of albums where you could fit like 22 and a half minutes on a side of an album. So now I'm producing an album in church sitting in a pew and I'm like thinking, okay, well, this song's going to be three minutes. This is going to have a guitar solo. This one's going to not have a guitar solo. This one's going to, you know, this is going to, Oh, this, you know, this one should end side two because it's a nice slower song. It fades out really nicely. And I'm like constructing, you know, I'm like 10 years old doing this <laughs> oh my and God. I don't know how to play an instrument, but this is where my mind, you know, this is my imagination. This is how I chose to use my imagination when I was a kid. Oh, and so man. I would be, you know, and I still do that to this day. I mean, that's just always something I've done. So when did you start playing what instruments and what was the first instrument you picked up? Well, drums, I started playing, uh, well, I guess it would be around that time I'd started playing drums because I was like 11 when I got my first drum kit. And I was like, there's actually a video uh, put out for the song Hush Money, uh, which is like a lyric video. And it's got old footage of me when I was a little kid. I was like maybe six or seven playing a little Muppet kit in the backyard. <laughs> so, you know, I didn't really know how to play. I'd say I was like 11 when I like kind of started understanding how to play the drums. And 13, 14, I, I wanted to learn how to play guitar because I wanted to start writing songs and I, and I didn't want to be, I realized I didn't want to be on the back of the stage. Yeah. I wanted to be in the front of the stage and I, and I wanted to learn, you know, I actually wanted to learn how to play some of these songs I heard in my head. So, uh, you know, I learned enough to, and then, you know, I played rhythm guitar for like a year and then I learned how to guitar solo. I didn't think I'd ever be able to play a guitar solo. And then I was like, Oh, I can actually solo. And, and, you know, it just kind of grew out of that. And then I, you know, I got a four track, I'd make records, you know, 
really bad records, but I was making records. I was putting all those techniques that I had imagined in my head to use and and learning how to actually craft records and put things together. And they weren't very good, but it was the idea that I was doing it. Were you You singing this whole time? I was singing a little bit, but I I didn't develop a style or my voice at all. I, I wasn't very confident. It really wasn't, you know, until I came to New York that I really found my voice as a rock singer. And, uh, I was pretty good at that. And then when I started doing this kind of music, it, you know, I always had a falsetto because I always sang in like high school chorus and stuff, but yeah. uh, the falsetto finally like started paying dividends <laughs> when I started doing <laughs> this kind of music. So now oh. people know me as that, which is kind of weird. Yeah. <laughs> How old were you when you started getting together and playing in bands and, and I guess, were you gigging locally in Buffalo? Yeah, I was in my early 20s. And then uh, moved to New York after I was in a band called by sapiens and uh, they were kind of a glam rock thing. And we had some industry attention and uh, I, I decided the band wasn't uh, serious enough. Okay. And uh, I, I quit one day and then I moved to New York and I started from scratch. And then I put a band together in New York called drag citizen, yes. uh, which was pretty badass band they're freaking awesome dude i you know that band i know i saw it i just I've, i saw some videos on youtube there's a there's like a six song concert up on youtube are you sure we're talking about my band drag citizen it says right here i will pull up right now because it says thanks to oh. it thanks you in the notes there let me see oh really live at the continental club february 17th 2006 second era of drag citizen okay okay there was a original incarnation in 2004 and then 2006 uh was the second incarnation okay and then uh and then then i then that band broke up then i joined another band called the nuclears then i quit that band and then i had a recording studio and then that wasn't fun and that (laughs) ended and then i was like you know i'm tired of being in bands but i love performing and then I started this about five, six years ago. And okay. Then, yeah. This kind of came out of a thing where I um, I had this recording studio and I lost it to a flood and I uh. really didn't enjoy it anyway. I thought maybe, you know, after, after being in bands for years and things not working out, they always seem to break up or things don't, you know, there's always like egos that get weird or yeah. something happens. And I was saying to myself, maybe this isn't what I should be doing with my life, you know? And so I built a recording studio hoping to help other bands thinking maybe that would give me a sense of feeling at the end of the day, it's about feeling fulfillment. Yeah. And I wanted to feel fulfilled in my art and my creative endeavors. And, and so I built this recording studio thinking if I serve others, maybe this will help me. Mm -hmm. And it ended up being completely the opposite. I ended up helping out half the (laughs) bands I I worked with. I really enjoyed working with, but the other half like didn't appreciate it at all. We're kind of, it just wasn't fun. Uh, uh, and, uh, and I, I wasn't getting any fulfillment creatively or artistically or anything out of it. I said, you know what? I, I enjoy recording, but I don't enjoy recording anybody but myself. Okay. And that's okay. It took me a long time to realize that was okay. That wasn't my ego talking. Like that wasn't me saying, uh, being selfish or arrogant about my talents. That was me just saying, you know what? I really just enjoy doing this for myself and that's okay. It's, yeah. Um, and um, so uh, I lost the studio. I injured myself carrying things out of the studio due to all the stress involved oh. with that. I got stuck in bed for three months with a uh, strained core. Oh my God. I literally really strained my entire core from my, my chest down to my knees. Whoa. Yeah. And I was like, I could, I couldn't stand up without putting weight on my uh, chest muscles. Oh my God. It was really weird, really freaky. I've never uh, heard of that. Yeah, it was bad. And so I I was literally stuck in bed for three months. I said, what am I doing with my life? And so I was like, you know what? I want to make music. 
I want to keep going with this, but I don't want to be in any bands anymore. I see all these hip hop guys. They're playing to backing tracks. They're playing to stadiums with backing tracks. Why can't I do something like that? I've played rock and roll for years, but I've only, am I playing rock and roll? Cause that's what I love. Or am I doing it? Cause I think that's the only thing I'm allowed to do anymore. And I realized I was, uh, I wanted to reinvent myself. So I did it with this kind of music and it's been a blast ever since. This is my fourth record. I probably had more success doing this than anything else I've ever done, you know, just because I'm able to get to the fourth record. Yeah. Every band I've been in, we do an album and we break up. And it was just that over and over and over and over again. And and I, I just got tired of that. And, and now I'm actually able to see something through to where I think it can go. And you're playing music that you want to play, doing it yourself, making mm-hmm. sure it sounds exactly the way you want it to sound. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm loving it. I'm having a blast with it. So it, it's man, great. Good things happen when Sorry you. Sorry for that. Sorry for that really long answer. No, but, that's no. what that's what this whole podcast is about, man. Don't it, I love long answers? Unless I have All to right, talk. Cool. The audience <laughs> likes it too because it's I, I they don't want to hear me. <laughs> Fair enough. So you actually started working with Kiss's original manager, though, right? Uh, was it Bill Alcoin? Yeah. How did you meet up with him? I was a big Kiss fan, as I said earlier, and yeah. I was doing these, um, when I was in high school, I was selling bootleg Kiss concerts. Uh, <laughs> and and I, met, I met Bill at a Kiss convention, actually, and I gave him my CD, and he sent me a nice rejection letter because yeah. <laughs> he didn't like the music I was making. <laughs> and, then, and then I put that band together, and we ended up being at this thing in Philly that he was at, this music conference in Philly, and he fell in love with the band, and then... And then when the band kind of fell apart, he he's the one who encouraged me to move to New York. Okay. So, uh, and then, you know, he helped out for a few years, but, um, you know, it was like all sorts of things that kind of, it just kind of was like, he couldn't really kind of, he helped me so much in my early formative getting to New York thing. Yeah. But the music industry was changing. His ability to kind of help me past a certain point uh, wasn't really there. And without me putting my own band together and getting, getting myself out there and doing it myself, I, he, he couldn't really do anything else for me. So that, you know, but, but we stayed in touch pretty much up and, you know, up until he died. Yeah. Uh, which was like 10 years ago, I think now. Something and, like um, you know, he was a huge influence on me though. I would have never moved to New York had it not been for him. And, wow. and uh, I wouldn't be Nick vivid if it weren't for him, really. He's really the inspiration to help me see things in myself that I didn't know, you know, I could do. And, and he was somebody who'd been there and done that and told me I could do it. And that's really what I needed to hear at the time. So your first album came out in 2016, mm-hmm. right? So yeah. That- watch it fly. Yeah, yeah, I was listening to that. That is really good, man. For first, thank you for first solo album. That too much light uh, is great. I, I gotta tell, you, I love Roberta. Oh, thank you. Yeah, yeah, I like Roberta too. That song is awesome, and and I've I've listened to the new album bef- first. That's so I'm kind of I kind of looped back around. Okay. And, and what I love is the sense of humor in your music. Yeah, Roberta's like that's like just about a crazy lady who who thinks people are are. Uh, but I'm I'm a big fan of like. Um, he's got prank call podcasts. Oh yeah. So, uh, so like, <laughs> So like like sometimes at night when I'm trying to go to sleep, I'll listen to these guys like just make prank phone calls on the on the <laughs> and I'll, nice. I'll fall asleep to that. Oh god, uh, I don't know why. That does weird stuff uh, to your brain, man. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what it does to my brain, but uh, but anyway, so it's just like a thing about like a woman who thought she was getting prank called all the time. So uh, yeah, that, yeah, that album's got a that that album was a real joy to do because you know, being such a rock purist for years before that, I didn't allow myself to learn any recording techniques that existed past 1982. You know, like I I didn't allow myself to learn sampling or understand the concept of sampling or beats or product, you know, working with, with 
triggers or or any kind of midi oh, or anything man. like i learned all that stuff like like that you know at that time so it was like a brand new world to me in 2016 i'm like catching up on like 30 years worth of recording technology <laughs> wow and i'm like okay cool this is awesome oh my god this is you can do this and then i'd listen to these hip-hop guys from the 90s i'm like oh that's what they were doing oh i know how to do that man and then i could figure that all that out and and so that album was just kind of me just kind of throwing everything i possibly could against the wall and seeing what stuck and what i liked you know and then and then as the records went on i kind of refined it and each record's got its kind of own theme and space yeah yeah that album was fun because it's just unadulterated kind of it's got that youthful innocence of a band's first album about it that kind of has that kind of charm to it you know which i like there's one album there that you did that just kind of cracked me up to be honest with you because it took a second, but Electrowaves radio broadcast. Oh, okay. You just rickrolled everybody on that one, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, I did. <laughs> Song titles. Yeah, I love it. That is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> it's so- this, this guy, these guys in uh, Italy just asked me if I could. Do, they were doing like this dance electronic uh, house music podcast. And I'm like, I don't really do house music, but I got some things that sound kind of housey. And yeah. Funny. If I enjoy doing this, you know, so I put that together in like two weeks. It was just all like leftovers from watch it fly. And then I just finished them up and then, uh, put that out. So yeah, that, that was just kind of a fun thing to do, you know, it's something different. I don't think I'd ever do it again, but it was fun at the time. It's awesome. And the, f- the fact that the titles all spell out, spell out, never going to give you up. Yeah, it's yeah. Great. I love it. that's probably one of my favorite things i've seen on this podcast is almost 250 episodes in and i have never seen anybody put that much thought into Into rick rolling into rick rolling their their audience yeah it's amazing thank you that was it that was a that was a I didn't know what to call the songs, to be honest. I couldn't figure out like what the, you know, what would title these because they're just all these instrumental tracks. I'm like, I don't have titles for any of these. And and I just thought of that one day. I I don't even know where that came from. And I was like, you know, that kind of works. You know, I'll just take all the, you know, all the, (laughs) The, all the, uh, you know, Morse, uh, Morse code words. uh, Yeah, that the military alphabet, whatever. The military alphabet, you know, and throw it all in there, make it all. And it all seemed to work. God, I think that that is brilliant. I love it. <laughs> Thank you. But I, I also like exploitation. There's some cool stuff going on there, like belly rub. I love it. But Empire State of Mind Part Four is that's one of my favorite songs of yours ever. Shoved off a rooftop in Brooklyn, or maybe slashed on the train. I love that. What happened to parts one through three? Well, obviously Jay-Z did parts one. Oh, did he? uh, I don't don't listen to Jay-Z. You know, the song, the the Welcome to New York, the New York Jay-Z song. Okay. uh, That's Empire State of Mind. And then there's somebody did a part two and it looked like maybe there was a part three out there, but I couldn't tell. So I was like, you know, just to be on the safe side, I'll make mine part four. That's just such a cool yeah, song. Just to, just to be on the safe side. But yeah. hey, what you know, your song, you do whatever you want with it, man. Mm-hmm. Slicey. Slicey yeah. is that is just a cool beat, cool sound.
And you're doing all this on your own? Mm-hmm. Are you, now, is this all electronic, or are you, you, you playing, like, bass, or is it all... Slicey, I played real bass on. Okay. Uh, with uh, some kind of... I want to say it was a Moog, maybe, on that. I can't remember oh, what synth wow. I put on that to make that sound, but it was badass when I heard it, and I was like, oh, that synth sounds awesome. Literally just drums, a synth, and a bass, and that's the whole song, and it just Man. sounds so big. It does. You know, because it just slams, so... Yeah, that was that was a lot of fun to m- make that one, and the the bass was just like, yeah, I just literally like have a Fender jazz bass that I cranked out the notes on. So we'll be right back after a word from our sponsors. That and going back to the sense of humor, one way mirror made me just laugh mm-hmm. I, that i love i love your lyrics they're they're, they're just it's kind of a it's kind of a me too song yeah. People, I, gotta, I gotta be careful yeah. <laughs> like, i was doing that live in the last tour i'm like man i shouldn't be doing this song anymore <laughs> people might take this the wrong way oh man people are too serious as it is yeah. so you didn't start off playing these songs live though the, like the first couple albums am i right you, you weren't you were right. just releasing yeah, albums Right. I was just because I didn't think I had enough material that would work in a live environment until I did Blissed Out. And then okay. I thought, well, maybe I got enough live material now. And so I and then I put a show together and yeah, for that record. And I, I wasn't sure what to expect. I, you know, I did like MIDI controlled lights and a video screen and uh, MIDI controlled vocal effects. And so the whole show was like just on a laptop and you just hit wow. the button. It's almost like I got the whole show you know, synchronized and ready to go. Man. And I, I, ne- I hadn't performed in years, uh, maybe like six or seven years. And so like, and then I booked this big release party at this club in New York and I'm like, okay, let's see how this goes. And, and it, it actually went so well that we, it, I was like, okay, we're booking a tour. That's it. We're oh, going nice. on tour. So, so yeah. So that's when I did my first big U S tour for this stuff which is again, something I couldn't do for years because I was always in bands that kept breaking up or didn't want a tour or whatever, you know? Yeah. So finally I was able to, to do a proper tour and, um, and it's great, you know? And then, uh, then after that tour, then I came back and thought I was going to put out another record in six months and then, uh, and go back out again. Then, then the pandemic happened Duh. and here we are. <laughs> yeah. Talking to me on a podcast. <laughs> yeah. so, so was there any nerves trying to put a whole a whole show together as a basically just a one-man band yeah well that was the thing i didn't know if it, i i was like well i'll try it we'll see if it works and if it doesn't then i don't ever do it again okay and if it does then i'm going on the road with it you know so i you know had like maybe maybe 80 to 100 people came to the release party wow. and it was it was a really good crowd everybody was really into it they were really supportive they seem to really enjoy themselves. Apparently I was as, you know, that was my thing. It was like, can I put on a show that's as entertaining as four guys on the stage together? You know, cause it's yeah. like, if, if somebody's going to a concert, they're going to see like three or four guys on the stage together. And can I make something as one person that's just as entertaining that somebody would want to spend a half hour, 40 minutes looking at. Yeah. And uh, that, that was my goal. And, and it seemed to work pretty well. So, you know, the show's structured, it's got, ebbs and flows it's got light and shade and all those little spots where like all right this is the song where this happens this is the song where this happens there's a there's a real construct to the to the energy of it and um you know and i also thought you know having such a static show every night might make it boring for me but actually it gave me a chance to like oh how can i do this better tomorrow how can i make this better so every day i was like when we were doing the tour i was actually constantly tweaking things in my own performance that made it better every night. Oh, and by cool. the end of the tour, I felt like I was really nailing it. And then I put a new show together for the new record and, and uh, just did a release party for that one. That went really well. And uh, now I'm just kind of waiting to see when I can tour again. So, yeah, you know, that's the big thing. Did deciding to play some of this live change how you wrote music from Blissed Out on or? No, no, no. 
No, just because I know now that I've got enough live material for a set, and if I throw in one or two songs from the new record, that'll be fine. Okay. You know, like I can just keep making records now, and I don't, I don't have to worry about that so much. So, which I didn't even really worry about it before. I just kind of waited until I had enough material to make it work. Okay. You know? So, is it difficult to take um, a song where maybe you're actually playing instruments like the bass and and get it so where you can actually do everything just by yourself or is it just is it like just a lot of sampling into the... well, it's literally the whole live is just me dancing with a microphone and the whole everything else is on, everything's on backing tracks so okay. uh even some of the you know background vocals are on backing tracks ah, so okay. so live i'm not playing any instruments i'm just i'm just dancing like a fool with a microphone <laughs> fronting it like a, like i got a you know like i got a band behind me the new album, No More Secrets, was that started in the pandemic or did it start before? Just before. It was it was the plan. Like I literally, after the tour, we got a new apartment in Queens and I built a recording studio in the living room. And I said, okay, I'm going to make a record here and then we'll go back out on tour. Yeah. And, um, and then I started making the record and like a month later, the pandemic hit. So it was like February of 2020 when I started making or started like, wow. you know, intention, intentionally recording to try to figure out, you know, try to make another record. So. Oh my God. Did that, did it have an effect on the songs you were writing? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Totally. Because it, it, um, I mean, the biggest thing was I, I was planning on morning, noon and night working on a record until I had something done, which was going to, no matter what, it was going to be done in like the next three months. You know, that was the idea. Okay. And just to be on the time crunch of getting back on the road in September, I was like, okay, finish the album in June, have it out by September. And then the pandemic hit. And I was like, well, now I got all the time in the world. I might as well just sit here. And <laughs> so the whole opposite approach where I tend to give myself tough deadlines so that I can stay on top of things and make sure that they get done. But yeah, that record kind of forced me to, take a, an approach I normally don't, which is let things happen at their own pace. And uh, that kind of, you know, I think that benefited the record in a lot of ways because I, I was able to take songs that were good and I think make them much better, if not great. I was, I was able to help see things through a lot further than I did before, uh, which was kind of neat. So, Yeah, I can definitely hear... It feels like this album, there's... I kind of I didn't even really know how to describe it. This is my favorite album of your solo work. Okay, thank you. It's it definitely seems it feels like a step forward. Mhm. Mm and Yeah, well, I, I, I yeah, like like for me Blissed Out was my first album that really felt like me. Okay. Um and then that one felt like me like figuring it out and going, "Okay, here's my voice," you know. me just kind of going yeah I, I i don't know what to tell you man here it is this is it you know no more secrets i don't i don't care anymore you know it was just kind of like i got i got no reason to be pretentious about anything so i might as well just kind of tell you where i'm at yeah you know and that's kind of what i think is going to make the album stand out for the rest of my catalog is is it's kind of just a heart on the sleeve kind of thing well yeah with this you lost your parents not too yeah, long ago both, before doing this, right? Both my parents died after Blissed Out. My mom died like a month after Blissed Out came wow. out. And then my dad died right as I was starting to mix uh, No More Secrets. Oh, man, I'm so uh, sorry. But, no, that's all right. And But my dad and I weren't, weren't talking since my mom died, so we were kind of estranged anyway. Oh. So it was kind of like... So there's a lot of songs about my my weird relationship with him on the record. And then after he died, I had to mix these songs. Yeah. And so that was a little weird. Yeah. <laughs> a, the energy was really strange around the whole thing, you know, and then throwing the pandemic on top of it. And there's like oh. a lot of like weird energy on the record in terms of like 
bearing my soul in a, in a way that it was just like, yeah, it was just really odd, but, uh, I, you know, I'm glad I made it and I'm glad I, I, I don't need to make that record now, yeah. you know, cause I did it, you know? So that's the cool thing about, that's the great thing about art is, is you get the opportunity to bear your soul and to share your truth with people. And once you get to do that, you don't have to do that anymore. Now you can, now you can share other things with people. That's and true. so I, I, I kind of released all that family stuff from childhood it all came back, you know, yeah. with everything. And and so like, that was the time for healing all that, you know, this record was really a way for me. To, and the pandemic just gave me all this opportunity to sit with myself and look at my life again, you know? And so, uh, and so I put all that into the record and um, yeah, now I'm like, okay, cool. I made that record. I'm, I'm glad I made it. And um, that's that story. You know? So what did your parents think about you wanting to become a musician? Your dad was on, you know, on the DJ side of things, playing people's records. Did they encourage you or discourage you or indifferent? My mom, my mom was totally encouraging. Uh, she loved it. She'd always come to my gigs and oh, yeah, awesome. she, my dad was more of a financially supportive. Oh, he wants to play music. Okay. I'll let him, you know, and it yeah. just, but he wasn't, he was very like not, he, he wasn't there. Yeah. You know, he like, he, he wasn't, uh, I don't know if he, he listened to ever really listened to any of my music other than to critique it from a DJ's point of view. There was a time when I like oh, wow. worked really hard on this one record when I was a teenager. And yeah. Maybe it wasn't very good, but instead of him going, Oh wow, I'm really proud of you, son. He just said, listen, no radio station is going to want to play this album because of this, this, and this. Oh. And I was like, <laughs> what? You know, I'm like 16, you know, my own father's just telling me like, I'm never going to make it making music though, oh, like that. And I'm like, oh, that's not really what you want to hear from your parents. So no. yeah, that, that kind of stuff, you know, it's kind of hard, you know? Oh my God. Listen, I listened to your record and I've got a few critiques for you. <laughs> no, no, no radio station is going to listen to shit. God. Nobody's gonna play. You know, like, like, fuck you, dude. Like, that, who wants to hear that? Yeah, well, you give your dad a piece of art that you worked on. The last thing you want to do is like, I've got a few critiques for you. That's the last. Yeah. That's the last thing you're expecting. Yeah, yeah that was not what I expected at all in those. So I, I, you know, but he. So because of those types of experiences with him, you know, and and it's typical for a lot of kids who have that kind of relationship with their parents, they tend to withdraw from them and just not yeah. share with them what they're doing. So, That's very true. So I really just kind of stopped playing my music for him. And uh, so, but my mom was always there, you know, my mom was always into it and she loved it and she encouraged it. So yeah, but that was kind of how it was with them. So, and my dad, you know, being into the soul and funk stuff that he was into, he played it around the house, but I didn't appreciate it till much later because I associated it with him. Oh, and, wow. and so I was I kind of dismissive about it when I was younger, but as I got older, I, I, I tended to appreciate it. I go, Oh, I remember that. Cause my dad used to play that. And I remember that, you know, that kind of thing. So okay. those things ended up becoming an influence on me, but only in kind of in spite of him, not because of him. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, I have a few favorites. I mean, I love the album as a whole. I think it's great. But I do have a couple favorites on, like, I, I love Trainers. I think that's a great mm -hmm. song. Thank and you. I Want to Rain Again, which mm -hmm. definitely sounds like you're kind of tired of the pandemic. Yeah. <laughs> I, think, I think my favorite, though, is The Sky is Falling. that song oh the wah on that and then the, the mm -hmm. beautiful vocals on it that's that's definitely that's my favorite song of everything i've heard of from you you know it's so weird because i just assumed that song would be the one that people would least likely get into really and yet it seems to re yeah and it was the last one that came together for the record i i started a song called the sky is falling like four times and i every one of them i just couldn't get anywhere with and one day i just got really frustrated 
And I took elements of all uh, of like three of the different versions and just put them all together. And those are the three different sections of the song are like three different sky is falling songs with the same vocal over top. Oh, wow. And it just kind of became this thing that I finally just in, in kind of this kind of frustration got together and I said, Oh, this is really cool. And this is really different, but it didn't seem commercial enough. Like everything else like felt really commercial to me. Yeah. That song didn't feel very commercial. And I was like, well, it's more of like a deep track kind of thing, but like people love it, you know, which is kind of like, you know, again, here's like, you know, you were wrong, dad. People yeah. like the weird stuff. Oh yeah. You know? I, I love the weird <laughs> so, stuff. So, so yeah. So I appreciate that. Cause I, you know, people liking that really kind of makes me want to make more music like that. You oh, know, I'd love to hear it more. Really, like it. it really, yeah. It really makes me want to kind of push those limits. Cause that song was really me kind of going somewhere else and pushing a song past where I thought it could go. And, uh, yeah. They, and then hearing the feedback, I go, you know, I, I should really do more of that on the next record and just, really push things even further next time, because that seems to be, it, it's, I, I don't think I've been giving the audience enough credit. Oh, you know, okay. I, I, I don't think I've been giving the audience enough credit. And so I, yeah, I, I'm like, okay, if people think, if people want to go there, I can, I can go there. <laughs> Let's go yeah. there. <laughs> Let's so, do it. Cause I love it. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm excited about, uh, about pushing the limits on the next record uh, even further. So it kind of reminds me of one of my, f- favorite artists like you said that you grew up listening and and were influenced by grunge era bands and all and one of my favorite artists is from that era uh sean smith and oh okay i love sean smith stuff he did with satchel brad pigeonhead you know amazing and and your music reminds me so much of him and it that song specifically just makes me think of of him and he was I, I don't think I've ever told anybody this, but my wife, when I started this podcast and I was reaching out to a whole bunch of people and I used to follow people on social media, F- Facebook particularly, because uh, several years ago, and I would reach out to these guys whose music I loved, who weren't maybe really active, just to see if they were still putting out music. And uh, luckily enough, a lot of them would request, w- would accept the friend request. And Sean Smith was one of them. And so every once in a while, I'd send a little message that, hey, you know, like the new track, this is great. And some would respond, some wouldn't. And he was always pretty good about responding. And when I first started doing this podcast, I reached out to him and I said, hey, I'm starting this podcast and I would love to have you on. I love your music. I've loved everything you've done. First heard you in Brad, love Satchel, Pigeonhead, your solo stuff. I want to talk about all of it. And he got back to me and said, let me think about it. Okay. A couple of weeks go by and I said, Hey, you ever think about it? And he says, okay, yeah, let, let's go ahead and let's, let's do it. I said, all right, well, um, we'll set up a date and uh, figure out how to connect and we'll, we'll do, get it done. So he sent me a demo track. This is all through like Facebook messenger. So he sent me a demo track and then like, literally, I think the next day he died. Oh, wow. We, we set up a date for like two weeks away and he, he passed away. I think it was, he sent me a instant message, had a song on it. And then it was, couldn't have been more than two days after that, that he passed away. And I was like, I, this show is cursed already. <laughs> but I was gonna stay. I, I gotta, I gotta go. <laughs> but so that's one reason why I think your music is connecting with me a lot is because it reminds me of him. And I actually, you know, was able to talk with him a couple times and, and he was going to do this yeah. show and, and it, unfortunately it never happened. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah. He, uh, I, I, I'm not super familiar. You said, uh, with Brad, he was, uh, is yeah. that the first record? Well, all of them. He was in Brad with, um, so that, you know, Brad was Sean Smith, uh, Stone Gossard from Pearl Jam. Right. Um, what was the first song in the first record called? Um, uh, uh, there was Nadine, but that wasn't the first song. Um, no, the first song, because the first album was called Shame, because the band was going to be called Shame. Yes. There was a band that owned the name Shame, and so the name of the singer of that band, Shame, was named Brad. Yep. Right? That's the story with That's them? exactly right. Yeah, and so they named their band Brad because of the guy who owned the name Shame. Buttercup. Buttercup. That's I remember that. So, yeah, it was a good song. That's yeah, good song. that whole first album yeah. is amazing. And so that's how I 
found out about Sean Smith. Um, apparently, I had had some other stuff. I had some old Mother Love Bone bootlegs, and apparently he's playing mm-hmm. piano on a bunch of them, and I just didn't know. That it. whole scene was way more incestuous than anybody ever remembers. Yeah. You know? Like, they all knew each other. They all hung out. They all played on each other's records. Exactly. It's Crazy. Just, it was amazing. It, but Before anybody knew who any of those bands were, it's amazing. It You'll really- never get that again. You'll no. never get that again. No. You know, you, have you read uh, Our Band Could Be Your Life? No, I've heard of it, but I have not read it. Oh, you got to read that. That book is so inspirational. Oh, I mean, well. I that, that book gives me a fighting chance, <laughs> you know, because it's like, it's like being an independent artist. And, and there's a lot of, a lot of sentiment to the idea that you can do any kind of music you want. Yeah. And you can, and you can, you can do things with it. You can, you can affect people's feelings you know you can inspire somebody to do something i mean that's the whole point of this whole thing that we're trying to do you know at one point i thought i wanted to be rich and famous and and i thought i could do both you know yeah. like like i can i can do i can i'm gonna be the biggest ar- artist in the world but i'm also not ever going to sell out you know right. and <laughs> so <laughs> And then I realized, uh, what's the, the point? The, the whole point of being the biggest artist in the world is to sell out. But I needed it for my my self esteem or whatever. I guess at the time, yeah, I don't need that anymore. But the truth is, those bands never changed, and they never cared about the success. Yeah, they they certainly wanted to do that with their lives as a lifestyle, much like I do. You know, I mean, I wake up every morning, I get to be Nick Vivid. I mean, how how great is that? Yeah. I, I mean, at the end of the day, that's the whole point, isn't it? You know, but but um, those bands really lived that. And then the, the success that they got by the end of the book, it was just such a fluke. You'll never see that kind of concentration, that untapped concentration anymore because the Internet's made everything so available to everybody. Exactly. The, you know, at the time, it was a secret. Nobody knew about sub pop in the Seattle scene. And that, you know, that at, would happen occasionally. Like, like if you look at the Southern rock scene, like Macon, Georgia, you know? So many, oh, yeah. so many bands, but like you, you just hit the nail on the head then, you know, with the internet that, that just, it can't happen again. Yeah. I don't, I don't see how, I mean, it would be great. Like even in New York, just as a scene in New York, I mean, the pandemics, it's going to be interesting post pandemic because there's no scenes, like just nothing exists. There's no concentration of bands pushing each other and influencing each other. I mean, the best yeah. I'm doing right now is going on Twitch looking to see what other artists are doing on, on Twitch or YouTube wow. and going, Oh, what, what are they up to? What are they up to? I got it. Oh, okay. I got to outdo them. Da, 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 you know? Yeah. There's no, there's no, like we used to be in bands and we go to clubs and be like, Oh, those guys are doing that. Huh? Oh, we'll show them tonight. You know? Yeah. And, and that I'm still very competitive like that, but it's tough to be competitive when there's nothing to compete with, you know, yeah. and there's no, there's no, uh, there's no outlet for that competition. There's no, there's no place for that to exist. It'll be interesting to see if people come out of the pandemic and there's all this crop of new bands, there, there will be a crop of new bands. They'll all have just learned their instruments and it'll be enough for them just to get out on stage and play. Cause they haven't done it before. Yeah. But I'm hoping that there will be people who push themselves past the limits they thought they had and come out with something that's bigger than anybody expected. That would be kind of cool. That w- I haven't seen it yet, but I, I, I'd really like to be influenced by something. Well, uh, you know, like you'd met, you just mentioned with the sky is falling, you know, you could be doing that too. You know, your next yeah, album. I mean, I could be, I mean, I, I, I think I have enough in me to push myself to motivate myself to get there, but it would be really nice to be part of something that was bigger than me right Right now. You know, and I, and I miss that. I, mi- I miss not feeling like I'm part of a movement that's bigger than me at the moment. Cause there were times when I play in rock scenes or even the last band I was in, you know, we were part of the Bushwick's rock scene about, you know, almost 10 years ago. And, uh, and that was pretty happening back then. And it was exciting. You know, you feel that energy, you know, it's like, Oh, there's a movement happening. There's something. Ex- I love being part of that stuff. Yeah. And I've been, th- I've been part of it a couple of times. I'm not part of that right now. And it feels, but I think it has a lot to do with the pandemic, but I'd like to be part of something bigger than myself again. I just don't, maybe it's online or something. I don't know. Well, are, how, I guess we'll see. how open are our venues right now in New York? Cause I, I live in Virginia and things are open. 
I mean, they're relatively open. I mean, bands are playing shows and stuff, but like, even at my release party, it was probably half the amount of people who I was planning on showing up, you know, yeah. cause people are buying tickets to shows and then half of them don't go you know, yeah. the day of they get, they get cold feet, you know, and just like, no, I'm not going to go. I'm Man. scared. That fear in the air is just there. And I don't think you can escape that no matter how carefree the audience or the artist is. I mean, we just had a big pandemic problem. Uh, what was that band? Um, oh, they just did like, they, they had like a, a residency at, at Brooklyn Steel. Uh, name escapes me for some stu- LCD sound system. Oh, okay. They were, doing, they were doing a huge residency and then somebody in the audience got COVID. Then the band got COVID and they were, then they ended up canceling it. And it was just a mess, you know, halfway through the residency, then they they give half their audience COVID and they cancel it anyway. I don't want to be part of something like that. That just sounds too awkward and too unpleasant. And I mean, my release party, we, it was right at a time. It was in early November when the numbers were really low. Yeah. But I was even nervous going leading up to it going, I don't know if I should be doing this. Wow. Uh, and I don't know. It just isn't, it's not fun. And, and it's not, I don't want to put my audience through something like that where they're kind of on pins and needles to try to enjoy a rock show. Yeah. It's just, uh, it's just an unpleasant experience. So that's, I'm wild. sticking to online stuff right now and, you know, posting, I'm, I'm starting on my Twitch channel again. I'm going to, uh, I'm going to, I'm just going to do live from the studio stuff on my Twitch channel, uh, okay. and, uh, and, and do recording and, you know, write music online and see how that goes over. I'm very particular with my, with my internet image. So yeah. like, it took me a while to find a way to do TikTok videos that I liked. And it took me a while to figure out a way to like post things in a way that I thought represented my brand, quote unquote, right. Nick Vivid. And how I want to come across. And I think I finally, like I did, I just did a thing for spin magazine for their Twitch channel in December. And I was, I ended up playing acoustic guitar for it. And then I watched it back and I'm like, I I don't like this at all. I don't like, I I'm not a singer songwriter. I shouldn't be sitting there with an acoustic guitar playing my songs. It's not natural for me. But then I did another thing with Twitch on my own channel where it was just me sitting at my studio here and writing. And then I just watched it back and I go, Oh, now that looks kind of compelling. So, you know, it takes me a while to figure out a way to make these things work for me. Okay. But I think now that I've kind of got something I think works for me, I'm going to expand on that a little bit. Well, that's awesome. So I've kept it for quite a while here. Where can people follow you? You've mentioned, you know, so many different avenues where people can listen to the music and, and follow you. And, and what's the best way for people to find your music and, and f- keep an eye on, on what you're doing? I'm everywhere. Nickvivid.com. Sign up for the mailing list. I don't spam people to death. I send out a mail like once every month or two. And then uh, Instagram, I'm pretty active on Instagram, on TikTok, on relatively on Twitter uh, a little bit. And then, uh, yeah, and then my Twitch channel, I'm starting to get that going again. So I'd love people to sign up on my my Twitch channel and uh, check out, you know, because I'm probably going to be doing a lot of live streaming coming up and then uh and i'll be doing um the uh vinyl for no more secrets finally just came in and i haven't officially released that yet so i'm going to do a vinyl online vinyl release party at some point plus i'm going to shoot some more music videos and and just kind of do it like a second push on the record because we pushed it leading up to the release party and i'm going to do another push this spring so so and then we'll uh we'll see what goes on from there what's the best way uh vinyl or even the digital download is it Bandcamp is the best way or through the website Bandcamp's great website's good i mean you can you could yeah i got the Bandcamp. i got the spotify i got everything so yeah in any way you want you want to get the record and i i'm very hands-on with the digital distribution side of things so i make sure the digital downloads are mastered the way i want them to be mastered and everything's awesome. like I, I i get yeah i get very picky about how it's represented out there probably a little too much but uh, <laughs> but but it's great because you know i have like a really good relationship with my distributor who handles all the digital stuff and and we, you know we make sure everything's on the up and up so wherever you get it it's gonna sound good but yeah Bandcamp's good 
and obviously with Bandcamp, you support the artist directly. Yeah. And there's no middleman, but I like my distributor. So if he gets a cut, I'm fine with that. Oh, that's good news. <laughs> yeah. Well, Nick, man, thank you so much. This has been a lot of fun. I really have enjoyed the album. It's just really a fun listen. And I went back and listened to the others and it's just, I, I've just made me feel good listening to it. I, I really loved it. Awesome. Well, that's the whole point, you know, I mean, especially times like these, you know, I, I like to make people feel comfortable, yeah, connected, and also give them a, a sense of release at the same time. You know, I, I think again, you know, when I was a little kid, music made me feel like I wasn't alone. And so I'm just trying to pass that on. Well, man, I, I, I feel it and I love it and I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. And a pleasure. 